Let me encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles with you, there's one in the pew or the scripture reading is uh, here in your worship guide as well. We're going to begin with the 13th verse. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches In glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together. Lord, will you now in these next few moments help us to, to hear you and to understand what you said so long ago, and yet you saw fit to preserve it so we would hear it again and think on it again and be instructed by it again today here in this place. So we need your help in this. Help us to focus upon the Lord Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. Be seated. So at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, when it comes to giving and finances, we have what we call three buckets. We do this informally when we're trying to describe how how it works here. Uh, You have our our general fund bucket, uh, operational expenses, that kind of a thing. You have our, our building fund, which is to retire the mortgage, uh, which is quickly going down. And then our faith mission giving uh, budget. And we, it's a bucket as well. And, and that is to support global outreach all over the world. Not just here in our church, not just in, in our community. Now, first of all, I want everyone to relax. Because if you're visiting with us or tuned in uh, on the live stream or you don't know me or us that well, you may be saying, oh, no, he's going to hit us up for money today. (laughs) I got good news for you. 
I am not going to hit you up for money, first of all. And second of all, we don't do that here at St. Andrews. In fact, what we believe our responsibility on on the issue of, of money and finances and every other issue, our responsibility is simply to teach what God tells us. And so... This is the next passage in the book that we have been going through. This is the 16th message on this book. And so that's why we are addressing this today. So let's see what the Holy Spirit told Paul to tell the Philippian church so that it was preserved in a letter so that his church down through the centuries would hear the same thing. Let's see what he says in this passage. The first thing that we see is that Paul defines what partnership in the gospel is, what a partnership is. He says this in in verse 15, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel... That would be when he first shared it with them. When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Now, Paul had come full circle in this letter. He's about to talk about and flesh out a little bit what, what partnership means, partnership in the gospel means. But that's how he started the letter as well, back in the first chapter, right after he'd given the initial greetings, in verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in any, any prayer, every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Because, he says in verse 5, of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. One commentator said that Paul provided nice bookends for this book. He starts out by thanking them for their partnership, and then he ends it by saying some important words about what that partnership really means. And he's in, in terms of the partnership, he is talking about how they entered into financial assistance for him as a missionary, as a pastor that was moving around planting churches. He, he uses this, this business term uh, in the matter, he says, verse 15, in the matter of giving and receiving. That would be in business, according to uh, one linguist, like an account of expenditures and receipts. That's a term that they, a phrase that they would use uh, in, talking about finances. So Paul is telling them that the, the financial support that they sent help to provide income so he could pay his expenses. Even when he was in prison, he had uh, to have help from the outside to pay for expenses of his. Now, he uses the word partnership. Uh, That word is uh, the word some of you may may have heard before, uh, the Greek word koinonia. And we usually think in terms of fellowship. But to him, this, this koinonia wasn't just some kind of a warm, fuzzy feeling where we all kind of, 
you know, uh, hug one another and say, you know, I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. And we're all kind of happy with each other. And that's, that's not the kind of fellowship that he's talking about. Nothing wrong with that, you know, in appropriate ways. But, uh, but that's, he's talking about much more than that. It involved a working relationship. <clears throat> they recognized the Philippian church that they had a missionary responsibility outside of themselves, their own church, and outside of even their own area. And so that's why they entered into this partnership, this financial help of the Apostle Paul, uh, so that he could continue on with his ministry. They saw him as their missionary. He... He saw that so much of a partnership that he basically says to them, you know, whatever, whatever credit is due me, you're going to receive. Even though I may be the one on the front line because of your help and we're partners, you get credit for this as well. You have a part in it. And then another part of that partnership is that it was, uh, it was ongoing, it was repeated. Verse 16, he says this, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So he was saying, you, you, you did this repeatedly. You did this over and over. It wasn't a one-time gift. That's the nature of the partnership was that it was, it was ongoing, and then he says this in the first part of verse 18. He says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So Paul is telling them basically that their giving has enabled his ministry to continue on because he doesn't have to worry about uh, where his next meal will come from, <clears throat> how he will travel, that kind of a thing. This would be like a missionary, and most missionaries would love to be able to stand in front of a church and say something like this. This would be like a missionary com coming up here and saying, I am fully supported. All of my needs are met so that I don't have these these worldly cares. I'm not having to scramble around just to, to figure out how I'm going to eat my next meal. You have helped me with that so that the gospel is going forward. And I want to thank you. That's basically what he's doing here. Now, let's think for just a, a, a few minutes about how this idea of partnership fits with our church here. Uh, in terms of our, our global missions, we here at St. Andrews have partners literally all over the world. Let me tell you about that. And we talk about it weekly. It's in our worship guide. We pray for a different partner or ministry every single week. Well, the motto for our, our global missions is across the street, across the country, across the world. And so we, we kind of look in, in those terms. So in terms of across the street, well, literally, we have a ministry with a school right across the street. doesn't have to be that literal, but God has placed us here. 
And so we have a number of things we do with Crossroads. I was at a, a meeting uh, out somewhere, and the, the one who was speaking was talking about his ministry. He knew, recognized me. He knew about St. Andrews, and he, he was bringing up the school, and he said, you know, St. Andrews does everything for Crossroads but sweep their floors. <clears throat> well, that was a big exaggeration. We don't do nearly that much. But we've got a number of ways that we have become friends with them and try to show them that we appreciate them and what they mean to our community. And they've been real open with us as well. And then in terms of other, other local, we have uh, uh, Happy Wheels that uh, ministers to, to uh, sick children and children that are undergoing treatment that are in the hospital that, that you all help to support. Sharing God's love that helps those in need in our community. Uh, campus ministries at uh, USC. We support Chaplain Kurt Sneed, who's with the Columbia Police Department. Tim Hanley, one church ministry in the Columbia area. And <clears throat> this is just a taste of our local ministries, but that's a few of them that we're able to do across the street and in our area. Then across the country, we, we support a, a Reformed University Fellowship campus minister uh, at Clemson University and a ministry uh, to internationals at Penn State. Uh, our connection there is that that campus minister was a former assistant pastor of mine in a previous church, and uh, our church has graciously supports him in that important ministry. Uh, we we uh, support disaster relief in our denomination. So whenever there's a, a, a tornado or a hurricane or uh, fires, whatever it is, uh, our denomination goes and serves there. And we have supported that from the very beginning. And then we support uh, up in the northwest part of our country, uh, the, the Wadhams who uh, minister to... Uh, primarily to Native Americans as well as other ministry. Now, pre-COVID, we sent a team up there, and we will be sending teams up there in the future as well. But you're going to get to know the Wadhams more this year. Uh, he's speaking at our missions conference after the first of the year, and you will love the Wadhams. Uh, you, will, you will catch a vision for, uh, for the kingdom in that part of the world, and we're privileged to be a partner with them. And then across the world, <clears throat> uh, presently we have four focus areas, and each of them has a story why we chose uh, that, which I won't share today, but I'm happy to. Uh, England, for instance, where we support church planters and those supporting them. Ukraine, where uh, we have a, a church and a pastor that we have partnered with for many years, as well as a medical clinic that uh, Dr. Kuhn and others helped begin in that same uh, city. And there's a life care center in Ismail uh, that um, uh, helps rescue the lives of the unborn over there, uh, which is just a rampant problem and helps young mothers and fathers uh, to get on their feet. And then in Haiti, uh, we support... Uh, uh, dynamic Haitian pastors. One, it's, it's in a, a great church in Haiti that is just booming with 
lots of people coming to Christ. And then uh, another one who during COVID had to move back to the States and he's planted a church in Florida, a Haitian church there, and it's booming. And uh, uh, we've sent teams to Haiti a number of times, but the one who's planting the church in Florida oversees a also in Haiti, a, a seminary and mercy ministries and orphanages uh, and education there, as well as church planting. In Bulgaria, we've got three single ladies, two families in Sofia, and uh, in Plovdiv as well, there are ministries there. In addition to those focus areas, we have partners in Germany, the Goodwins, who are members of our church, and uh, they're back for now, but uh, ministering in Germany, in Western Asia, West Africa, in Greece, working alongside the Greek church. Now, I've only told you about a portion of the partners we have. In our faith mission uh, giving budget, we have 68 line items. Uh, that represents individuals, couples, families, and ministries. So, that's where the funds that this church gives, they go to all of, all of those. And one more thing. Last Sunday afternoon on first night, our mission team had what I call the greatest meeting of the year. Every year it's the greatest meeting. And the mission team will tell you they, they would agree with that. Because what we do at that meeting, it's once a year, is we take the funds from the previous year uh, after we've met all of our obligations, and then we're able to distribute those funds to people all over the world. Some of them aren't even in our budget, but they are, they are good ministries. And this year, uh, we distributed uh, to, to 30 projects or people, uh, and, and it was over $53,000 over uh, our budget which was $230,000 that, that this church had met. Now, let me be as clear as I can. I'm not bragging about this. God gets all the glory for that. Every ounce of it. Because he's the one that provided. But I want to encourage you because our church responded to the prompting of God to be generous in this area. Our little church has ministered literally to thousands of people around the world. Not because we are great, but because he is. So, Paul then goes on to characterize how God looks at the Philippians giving and that would be our giving as well. And I want you to see that from this passage in verse 17. He says basically, we have an account now that, that's been set up. It says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So they were so much partners with him that he's saying there's going to be a return on your investment. Now, I'm not just using businessy words because I'm not a businessy kind of person, okay? So it's got to be pretty simple for me to understand. 
But Paul didn't start this. He wasn't the one that thought this up. Jesus did. Here's how Jesus put it in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be, will be also. See, I tend to think where your heart is there, your treasure will go. He says, no, you put your treasure somewhere and your, your heart follows that. It's where your commitment is. That's why this church loves missions because we, we put our treasure there and all of a sudden we, we see this partnership and we sense it. So Jesus is saying uh, to lay up your treasures in heaven. The implication that is, is if <clears throat> your storehouse is just here on earth, all, everything you have, you're just putting it into whatever you, you can buy or whatever you can save up here on earth. He's not saying it's wrong ever to do that, but he's saying if that's the only place, you need to know this. That's just temporary. Even if you keep that all of your life, then you're going to die and you will leave it behind. And Jesus says, there's another way. And here's the way. You give to me and the kingdom and it's stored up in heaven. Now, does that mean that we're going to need money in heaven? No, <laughs> that's not what that means. But what it means, the point is that when you give to God's kingdom, you can't lose. I don't know any other investment where somebody can absolutely promise that. In fact, look at how Paul says God looks at our giving toward the kingdom. He says this in verse 18. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus. The gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So he says, you want to know how God looks at, at your giving? He sees it as a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, and, and pleasing to God. I want to explain those in a minute. Back in uh, uh, January, when I was diagnosed with covid I went and got tested because the evening before, I was literally sitting there eating chicken soup, and I said, Connie, I can't taste or smell this. We got to get tested in the morning, and we both tested positive for COVID. Now, most of my taste and smell still has not come back. I'm not telling you that for, for sympathy, not at all, because that's just a, it's just an inconvenience. It's no big deal compared to what others have, have faced. But I was thinking about this when I saw this passage, uh, because I'll tell you this. There are smells that I don't really miss. <laughs> and I can tell you some stories about that, but not here, so... But there's others that I really love. You know, the, for me, 
the smell of coffee fresh in the morning, brewing, uh, or Connie's homemade bread or homemade cinnamon rolls. Uh, and there's, there's other uh, smells that, that I love to smell as well that I've even noticed since I can't, at least at this point. It's coming back. Don't worry about me. <laughs> but God tells us that there are things he loves to smell as well. He tells us right in this passage, the sincere offering of worship, sacrificial giving, those are fragrant to him and they please him when his people take part in that. Now that leads us to how Paul reminds them of how God provides for the Philippians and by extension for us. He says this in verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, this does point uh, them and us forward to a day when we will receive his full riches, when Jesus returns and he fixes everything and there's no more crying or pain. And then and then only will all of our needs be met in Jesus after he comes and does that. Never in this life can what we accumulate meet all of our needs. In fact, there are some preachers that try to preach that you can. That if you give money, then God will make you rich and so on. They try to use this verse and that's a wrong use of it. But there is a right way to apply it. Here's how it goes. God tells us to give. That's the way he has seen fit to advance his kingdom. He tells us if we do give, that he receives those gifts as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, as worship. He is pleased by that. And then, he doesn't have to, but he establishes and credits an account for us in heaven. But not only that, he gives us what we are to give and then promises to meet our needs. Back in the Proverbs, it says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. That's not our motive to get something back. But it is a reality. Isn't that just like God? To be that generous with us. That's why we can have joy in him. Let's bow together.
Lord, thank you that when you call us to do something, you equip us to do it. And, and that's the case even with giving. Thank you that you love us that much and you pour your grace out upon us to that degree that we could never outgive or, or pay you for what you have done because of your generosity. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.